0: Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Give thanks unto the Father who has made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We've been translated, folks, out of the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of light, And we have no business living any longer in the kingdom of darkness. And this morning I want to share with you something that uh, I can't hold it back any longer and whether you understand it or not does not make any difference but the one who receives it it will make a total difference in your life. And uh, you be prayerful over this this morning. Uh, I want to get the whole thing out, and uh, uh, it's going to be new to you, okay? Uh, I want to begin, first of all, would you put that chart on over there? First of all, I want to share a a journey in which we have taken in our life as Christians and... Um, and describe these these various uh, paths that we've taken. First of all, on the left, I hope you can see that clear enough. If you can't, that's fine. But first of all, we have Egypt, and in Egypt, we were in darkness. We were in bondage. We were not in a land of our own. We were under taskmasters. The ruler. Uh, Uh, did hard things unto us. Uh, We could not free ourselves. We could not escape. We could not get out. Even when asked to get out, uh, when Moses, remember, was asking to get out, they couldn't be released. And uh, that's where we were. That's the world. Egypt is a picture of the world. And every one of us lived in that place. We lived in darkness, and we were under the bondage And the command, under the command of Satan himself. We were under his leadership. We were under his rule. We were in that kingdom. And one day, and you remember in Egypt, they were released because of the death and the blood of a lamb. And one day, you and I, because of the death of a lamb and the blood of the lamb, we were released. And we had to cross a river. A red, red sea. We had to cross water. And this was our baptism. This is when God placed us in the body of Christ. This is the first baptism that we go through. And we're released from, we're released from Egypt. Praise God being released from Egypt. But we end up in the desert. And, and we like they folks we did it too just like they murmured and complained in the desert i mean what was there to brag about hot sand sun no rain i mean it was not a pleasant place and and when we get saved this is where we end up we end up in a desert area now Now, I I spent, I don't know how long you've spent there or how long you're going to spend there or how long you have spent there in the past, whichever it might be. I spent 17 years in the the wilderness. I, I got out of here and I spent 17 years without joy, without victory, sometimes wondering whether I ought to go back like they did, believing that Somehow, something inside of me said there was something more, and yet I, I didn't have enough knowledge or faith or something to go any further. You lived in, folks. You lived in that church. You may still be living in that church. You lived there, where all that's going on is murmuring, complaining. Rebelling. I mean, misery. Wondering why you left what you had. Wonder where the joy was that God promised. You know, that, that's one. There's two things that, that I really wanted that God promised in the Word of God and I didn't have anymore. And that was, one of them was joy. And I didn't see anybody else with Joy. Everybody else looked just as bad as I did. They was mad at everything and everybody too. You know, praise God, hallelujah. This was our church service. You know, we drugged through, praising the Lord. And, and that was our church service. Nobody was happy. Nobody had victory. Nothing. That's where we lived for a long time in the wilderness. And if you'll remember, God offered Canaan to them early, but they didn't go in because of unbelief. And God really, what He really did was raise up a new generation that would trust Him and go on in. But later on, we go into another place, in place of Canaan. And, uh, and I've taught this before in the past about this. And we have to, they had to cross water again. There was another baptism. There was another miracle of water, of pulling back water in order to let them go in. And uh, so we have what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit till we go into Canaan where they went into a land and had victory. And every war that they fought, they won. Every battle that they battled, they won except one. And that's when they disobeyed God and rebelled against God and they lost 30-some-odd men. But they went in with victory. But they had to fight. They had to battle. And they had battle. In fact, the book of Joshua is battle after battle, war after war to conquer the enemy. And that's where we are, some of us. Okay? Now... Turn with me if you will. I've got a lot to say. This when I told you that earlier. I have got a lot to say. And I hope I can get it all said uh, this morning to where you can understand what I'm going to say. And if I, if I don't get it all said and you don't understand it, I'm going to do it again tonight. Folks, this is so important to you. So very, very important to you. Turn with me if you will to Hebrews chapter (coughs) 3. Hebrews chapter 3. What I'm going to read here for a few moments is part of what I just said. I want to comment on it some uh, before I get into what I want to share. Verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit said, today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the days of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to the test... Proved me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, And they have not known my ways. Now there's a scripture over in Psalms that says this. Now I probably need to read it to you. If you'll stay here, I'll go back here and read it to you and then you come back. Okay, you can read it later on. It says this. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of, of Israel. And he was saying here again that they saw my works, but they didn't know my ways. Now, there's a difference between seeing the works of God and knowing the ways of God. Anybody can see the works of God, not even have faith and see the works of God, the acts of God, the demonstration of God, but to know his ways. Is more important. You have to know someone in order to know their ways. You must know God in order to know God's ways, to understand God and to know God. Moses knew God. N- Moses walked with God. Moses talked with God. Moses listened to God and Moses obeyed God. Moses trusted God. Moses so trusted God that he did anything that God said exactly the way God said it. He knew God's ways. And because he knew God's ways, by the way, the acts of God were operated much through Moses because he knew the ways of God. Now to see him operate does not mean, even if he operates in your life and does something in your life, does not not mean you know God. He may perform a miracle in your life and you'll never know God. Okay? Now, let's go on. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any in, a, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God. Now, he's not talking about past here. He's talking about us. I want you to know that God is not talking about them. He's talking to us. Okay. He's saying, Take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today. Lest, there, lest any of you be hardened through the, the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. And I want to stop right right there. Folks, there was a time when they were in the wilderness, and they were in the wilderness uh, less than two years. There was a time when God sent spies into the land and spied out the land and offered the people to go in the land then. And you remember, because of their unbelief, because they believed a bad report, because they believed fear, because they believed mistrust, because they believed uh, uh, people that did not know God's ways and trusted God, and they listened to them and believed in them, they were filled with fear and unbelief, and they didn't go in. And God said... Because of your unbelief, you are not going to go in. God stopped it. You remember the next day what they decided? They, they cried all night. They must have reasoned within themselves, said, we can't go back. We're going to die here in the wilderness. We might as well try it. And they tried it. And they said, we're going to go in. Most said, no. Don't go in. God's not going to go with you. And it says that they tried it anyway, and the enemy ran them out and killed a bunch of them. They could not go in on their own. You don't go in on God's promises on your own. You go in when God says, you go in where God says, the time in which He says, you go in on God's terms and not your terms. And so what happened there that day is because of their their unbelief, God said to those people, He said, you will not enter into my rest. You will not go in. And so therefore, they had to stay out there for 40 years in order for that generation to die off. And when that generation died off that had unbelief, the believers went in. Okay, He saved two of them, by the way. A man named Joshua and a man named Caleb. He saved two of them through all those 40 years and let them go in. One of them was a leader and one of them was a warrior. Okay, let's go on. Where did I stop? Verse 15. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. For who when they had heard, uh, heard did provoke, did not all that came out of Egypt by Moses but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now I want to share something with you before I get into Scripture so that then, when I get into scripture, you'll understand a little bit about what I'm saying. And so, I need to give some, some uh, uh, testimony, some explanation of what I'm going to get into. I have three places listed over there three places. I have Egypt, which is the world, our lost condition. I have the wilderness because after we're saved, we're saved, but there's no victory or power in our life. We're just saved. And then I have Canaan where we go in with victory. They went in with very much victory. I believe. I'm I'm convinced of this. Uh, I have found no scripture contrary to it. Besides the people that they lost on the day that they went against Ai, after they had sinned against God and lost 30 some odd people, there's no place in the word where they lost another person. I believe that their victory was so complete and so mighty and powerful with God and God empowering them and directing them. I believe that they took every city and every king and every nation and conquered that whole land and did not lose one person. that's a battle. Folks, the Scripture says that we're more than conquerors through Christ Christ Jesus. But I believe that they conquered a land without having great casualties. I don't believe they lost a person. It was so stated, so specifically, that these 30-some-odd men died and the number that there was about the sin that they committed and after that they committed none. But I don't believe that they lost another person. Okay? Now, in fact, you'll remember that in, in um, Psalms, it says that whenever they even when they come out of Egypt, it says, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among the tribes. When God was so in charge of them, when they were so submitted to God and walking with God, if they come out of Egypt, there wasn't a sick, there wasn't a cripple, there wasn't anyone... Anything wrong with anybody that came out of Egypt they were all perfect and healthy I believe they went into Canaan the same way and I believe that they they lost nobody I believe that God was so powerful and present in their presence that even in their rebellion it says that their shoes never wore out their clothes didn't wear out they had all the food that they needed all the water they needed they had shade during the day, had a cloud over them all during the day, you know. Had warmth at night, had a pillow of fire over them at night. I mean, they had probably 72 degrees every day, every, every, all the time. Probably perfect, perfect environment. God took care of them. And God's preparing them for some place. I can remember also that when I, when I first got saved, I did some very dumb things and God still blessed me. It seemed like God was just... Kind of watching over me and let me do a lot of things and just took care of it and took care of me, and everything worked. After a while, you know, he he began to show me responsibility, and then he wouldn't let some of the things work that used to work because now he's teaching me responsibility. I could get by with it before, can't get by with it now. And as I grew and, and with him, that there was some things of responsibility, and I believe he took them through that showing them what he had in store for them. Okay? There's one more that I don't have written up there. I have never heard it taught. I have never heard it taught. I am sure it's been gone around it, you know, somewhere, but I have never I have never heard this taught. There's another place Sheridan and I talked about this all the way back from Dallas last Monday, and kind of come up with a, a. The Bible calls it rest, but it's a higher plane. It is a third heaven. It's living in a place beyond what we're living now. It is a place of rest. And I want to describe this place of rest. I want to tell you about this place of rest. And then at the end, I want to tell you what, it requ- what the requirement is for being there. Okay? First of all, I want to show you scriptures to show you that God intended that they go beyond Canaan. I don't mean into a physical place beyond Canaan, but into a new relationship and not one of warfare, but one of rest. Okay, He wanted them to go beyond warfare and into a place of rest. And folks, you and I are in the area of warfare. We're always fighting and warring. Wouldn't you like to find the place of rest? Did you know that there's a place of rest for you? There's a place of rest for all of us. And... Just like you struggled about going into Canaan, you're going to struggle about going into this area. But there is a place more than you can even know and comprehend. I didn't know it. I really did not realize it. But as we began to talk about this money, we realized that we lived in it for two years. For two years, we lived in this area, this place of rest, Shirley and I. We've had spots of it. I want to live in it all the time. God has a place of rest prepared for us. Now, let me show you some scriptures. And um, before I get back into Hebrews and read this, go with me to Joshua Chapter twenty one and verse forty four. And the Lord gave them rest round about, according to all that he swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all all their enemies into their hand. There fell nothing of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel All came to pass now the significant thing that I saw in this is about this place of rest this that God gave them gave them rest it says there stood not a man of all their enemies before them in other words he delivered them from all the enemies the enemies did not come against them they lived in peace would you like to live in peace Would you like to live in rest? Would you like to live in a place where, in your life, where it happens to everybody around you, but does not come near you? You say, that's impossible. I'm going to tell you something today, and I'm very serious with you. It is not impossible. And I'm going to show you. And I'm going to show you some scriptures that you use wrong. And if you can use them right, you'd have more than you got. Okay. All right. Exodus. Thirty-three. No, let's go to Deuteronomy first. Deuteronomy twelve. Let's work back that way. Deuteronomy twelve. And verse ten. <clears throat> I think I'm going to save that Exodus maybe the last. Verse 10. Uh, Let me read verse 9 with it, I think. Verse 9 says, For you are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God gives you, but when you go over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God gives you to inherit And when he's given you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell safely. Isn't that something? To dwell in safety. These are amazing. I mean, these scriptures are amazing. What God really has in store for us. Live in safety. Uh, let's see. First Kings No, I may have saved that one until later on. Let let me let me just tell it to you, okay? Let me just tell you something. <clears throat> I want to share experience with you. Um, <clears throat> First, for two years, there was a period of time, for two years, that Shirley and I lived in a state like this. We had no sickness in our family for two years. Not a sniffle, a sneeze, a cold, not one like that. We could suggest to each other like we need to pray about so and so or let's pray about that tonight. The need would be met before we had a chance to pray for it. Everything we prayed for happened. Everything we prayed for happened. God would even show us how to pray and what not to pray for and what to pray for and how to pray. God would speak to Shirley in the grocery store and tell her what to buy and what not to buy. She'd be going down the, the, the aisle and the Lord says, get two of those. No questions. Is that the devil and all that kind of stuff that would go through? She'd buy two of them. Or buy something she had not planned that week we would have need of it that particular thing that we got nothing went wrong in our house had not not one appliance not one drippy faucet not one thing happened in our house not one thing happened to our cars We always had enough. We did not have enemies come against us. We lived in an area of peace and victory. Now, folks, there is a place. I find I've slipped back into warfare again, fighting the devil here, fighting him there, fighting him here, warring against him here, hollering at him here, trying to get him out of my house, trying to get him out of my kids, trying to get him out of my life, trying to get him out of my—you know. Turn with me to Psalms 91. I want you to see a psalm. Now this is a, this is a psalm. I want to show you some scripture you use, and you use it wrong. You don't understand this scripture. You did not even even see what it said. You think you saw what it said, but did not know what it said. Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Now, you underline in your mind, underline the Bible don't help. It's going to underline your mind the word trust because that's the key to it all. The word trust. And I'm going to explain that in a few minutes. Okay? To abide in Him. To hide yourself, the word means to hide to hide in him. In other words, get inside of him and hide in him. All right. Verse three. Look at this: "Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. You don't deliver yourself, you're already delivered. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You're going to learn to trust in his truth in a word, nothing else. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by the day. Nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness. Nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. You'll not be afraid of those things. A thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. But look at, look at this part of the verse. This is the parts that I want you to see. It shall not come near you. you see that? It won't even come near you. Look at this one. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most... High your habitation there shall no evil befall you neither shall any plague come near your dwelling now folks has plague come near your dwelling this says when you're living in this place it won't even come near your dwelling it won't get there we spend all of our time trying to get it out of our dwelling Out of our lives, out of our children, out of our husbands, out of our wives, we're fighting, constantly fighting because it came in. When you're in the this rest, it doesn't even come in. That's what that said. If that's not true, then God's a liar. If that cannot happen, then God is a liar. There is a place. Listen, there is a place. That you can get to in God, a place of rest, where it will not come near your dwelling. How many of you have ever seen one place in the word where the apostles were even sick? Ever? Abraham was sick. No. Jacob? Isaac surely was. They lived in those places of rest. No plague come near your dwelling. Isn't that amazing? Boy, I I know what you're saying. Boy, I would love to have that. That it would not even come near my dwelling. We're always saying, quoting the scripture, boy, you know, we quote it like it says it. But we're using it like we're trying to get it out. Where is it? In. Where it need to be? Out. We're trying to get it out and use the scripture? Wrong scripture. When you dwell in the sha- uh, secret place, the most high in the shadow of the Almighty, it doesn't even come near your dwelling. Ah, uh, where were we? verse 11 for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in your all your way they shall bear you up in the in your hands lest you dash your foot against the stone in other words you won't even stub your toe that's what it said that's exactly what that's saying you won't even stub your toe You shall tread upon the lion and the adder and the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample under your feet because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I'll answer him. See there? Whatever prayer we prayed happened. You shall call upon me and I'll answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With a long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. And what God was doing, and I, I didn't even get near all the scripture, folks. You're probably be hearing this for the next five years. That God has promised us this. And we are laboring, we're working. I want to show you a scripture in Matthew 11. Jesus even knew about it. Listen to this scripture. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that what? labor, and are heavy laden, and I'll give you what? Rest. rest. He said, You come to me, quit laboring, you come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden's light. He himself was saying, Don't work. You don't have to live in a state of working and labor and toil. A place of what? Rest. Now. now let us let us go back to Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews 3. With that in mind, with with what I said in mind, I want you to see these next verses. Verse 18. And to whom he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. They could have entered in rest, but they can't because of unbelief. Belief gets them in, unbelief keeps them out. Verse 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise, being left left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. In other words, they heard about it, they heard the word preached, but it did not profit them. Why? Unbelief. See? For we who have believed do enter into his rest as he said, as I swore in my wrath if they shall enter into my rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world for he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day in this way and God did rest the seventh day from all his works now I looked up that, that, that word uh, the definition of that word uh, of, of uh, him resting and I want to know how God could rest and what that word rest meant when God rested on the seventh day and it says it's to repose. You know what to repose means? You want me to demonstrate it to you? I feel like it. I stay up half the night. It's just... The prone position is laid out. Repose. It also means to desist from exertion. Quit. Quit putting out effort. And what God did when He rested, He just stopped. Everything that needed to be done was done, so He just stopped. And He ceased doing because it was all done. And He's saying that we can enter into a rest that you and I quit. Okay? Now, I'm going to read some more. Hebrews 4. Let me read some more. Verse 4 again, For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God did rest the seventh day from his works. All his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter into it, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For, now there's a word in the King James that's wrong, and I, uh, I'm going to pencil in it in if you need to. But the word Jesus, the third word, is Joshua. Okay? And if Joshua had given them rest, then would he not have afterward have spoken of another day. See, Joshua never did get them to the place of rest. They came to the place. They never did fulfill it. If you'll look, they never did live in rest because they began to work in unbelief and they went into the period of judges when they were rebellious and every man did with it right in his own eyes and they got out of rest and right back under bondage again. It's almost like they were in Egypt. They got under such bondage and had to be delivered over and over and over again. A lot of Christians are in that place have gone through great periods of victory and gone to the place now they're in torments and in bondages again by the enemy. But he said, if there had been, if Joshua had given, he wouldn't have spoken of another rest. Verse 9. I know this is wading through some scripture and I realize that. And you'll have to wade through it and wade through it and wade through it. It says a lot. And I'm not able to get it all out today. Don't have the time to. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. It's still there. For he, now listen to this, he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God Did from His. When you finally get into His rest, you'll quit your works. You'll stop your effort. You'll stop doing what you're doing. Now, one more verse. Here's the work that we must do. We must labor. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of undelayed. In other words, if you want to labor, if you want to really struggle in labor, if that's your need and that's your desire, and that's what you've got to do as a Christian, if there's a labor that you really want to work, work and work at getting into this place of rest. Now, I'm going to tell you a bottom line, and I don't have really time to get into this as much as I really need to. The bottom line is one word it's trust. Absolute, unquestioned trust in God. Come to a place that you trust Him with every thing of your life, every moment of your life, every thought of your life. See, because Shirley trusted God, and we had come to that place of trusting God, because she trusted God, when God says to buy something extra, there was no question about it. She trusted that voice. She trusted the one that was speaking to her. She didn't question it, argue, want her way, rebel against it, wondered whether it was a God or not. She absolutely, totally trusted. Jeannie was sharing with me yesterday. They walked in this for a period of time. I don't know how long. Or when, or if they still are, but a period of time. <coughs> Let me show you what I'm talking about trust.